Hey everybody, uh, this is Armando Torres. You're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Kyle Anderson, baby. Yay! Hell yeah! <laughs> Listen to that confidence. Mm, you love to hear it. Uh, Kyle, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this is part two, the final part of our series on Dow um, and Ilya. And uh, <laughs> it's a really great episode. We wanted to throw a quick trigger warning uh, up top for, uh, I guess, uh, assault and uh, and freshman philosophy class level philosophy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, assault and uh, child abuse. I guess are the two content warnings we'll put up top. Yeah. Um, and you know, after dropping that bomb, Kyle, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Kyle Anderson Comedy on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, you can find me uh, Kyle Anderson Comedy on Instagram uh, and the same Kyle Anderson Comedy on YouTube. You check out some of the, the little documentaries I make that are that are funky, baby. baby. I, I, I'm sorry for setting you up so poorly. Uh, although, no, so- that was great. I actually, I just did a weekend at like uh, at a club and the, the sound guy, I was like, it was just a two man show. So I was like, had to like cold open and feature. Right? Oh, uh, that which always kind of sucks. Uh, but the guy kept bringing me on stage. They're like, sound guy would like intro me like over the god of the. Like, the yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And he used to be, kept being like, and your feature comedian, Kyle Anderson. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh man. My dude, so please then I, help like, me out. <laughs> I had to make a joke about it. Like the second show he did it in a row, I was like, oh my god. Like, and I like riffed on it and stuff. And then after the show, he's like, hey, man, sorry, I'm really trying. I was like, oh, God! <laughs> <laughs> That's so bad. Oh, my God. Oh, oh no. What, what I was going to say was I did it. I did a show uh, at the Gateway Show where you do it sober and then you do it high. And we took mushrooms. And the people who were running the lights thought it would be a great fun idea to change the color of the lights when the people who were on mushrooms were on stage. No! (laughs) And the host of the show, Billy, Billy Anderson, no relation, uh, was like, hey, I, I feel like I should say stop doing that. But I feel like if I say it, the room's not going to recover from that like weird energy bomb. And me on shrooms, I go up to him and I go, no, here's what you got to do. You got to get on stage, grab the microphone and go, hey, whoever's fucking with the lights, you better stop it. Anyway, Armando Torres, and then just walk up <laughs> just completely murder the room and then give it away. That's so funny. Uh, <laughs> all right, but I think you know what? Uh, go go find Kyle. Sorry, we've made this intro too long. Go find Kyle. Uh, patreoncom slash podcast. Uh, Panic Fest, we covered that, is coming uh, up in April 13th through the 16th, I believe. Yeah, we'll have uh, official dates and ticket info as soon as we have it. Absolutely. So without any further ado, let's hop into the show. Hello. 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 Don't drink the cool. 
For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always, these are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have Kyle Anderson. Confident Yay! as always. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Confident Kyle. I love it. Your idea of confidence is menacing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We, it's we went power. And, and with and with us we have and you went Kyle Anderson. <laughs> Mr. Anderson, we've noticed it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! Do you get that a lot? Do you get a lot of Matrix references? Uh, yeah, mostly from guys who work at the bank. Strangely <laughs> enough, happens a lot more than you'd think from dudes who work at the bank. Mr. Anderson, get it? Because like the Matrix, like, the oh. Matrix. they always so look up Mr. and they're like, Anderson's, oh, oh. oh. Yeah, it must make every fucking day of their life. I don't know. <laughs> I, okay, like no, I honestly, I, I didn't watch The Matrix for, for many years because uh, it got referenced to me so much. Mm. And But there's so many parodies of The Matrix through like the <laughs> 2000s as I was growing yes. up that by the time I actually saw The Matrix, it was one of my first times smoking weed, and I thought it was just a really long Matrix parody. Oh, no. Because, <laughs> like, every scene in The Matrix has been parodied in something. Yes, like, yes, not just much. one scene, but, like, like everybody does the, the bullet dodge thing, but, like, kind of the whole movie's been parodied and stuff. Yeah, the red so, pill, blue pill. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know what movie this was. I, like, sat down on a couch, and I was like, dude, they've been doing this Matrix parody scene for, like, ten minutes. <laughs> You're like, I don't know if you know, but this is the Wachowski siblings, like, piece de resistance. Like, this is their, like, movie-ass movie. Yeah, my friend was like, no, dude, this is just actually the Matrix. And I was like, oh, shit. But no, now I love the Matrix. Matrix is awesome. I'm actually a defender of four. So <laughs> Kujaku is a friend. Uh, we're here today, today to talk about something uh, a little bit more important than the Matrix. Mm-hmm. We're here to talk about the seven films and several TV shows that make up Dow. Now, quick question. What is the most seasons you have watched of a TV show? That you're like, wow. I gotta finish all of it. I like in it to win it all the way through. Wow, great question, Paige. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. I think twelve <sighs> seasons of King of the Hill. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Uh, mm. Yeah, that. Or... I'm not gonna count Simpsons because I feel like I have never. I don't think I consecutively watched Simpsons seasons, but I've probably seen most of that's them. my problem is i know i've seen every episode of futurama but it's not like right. i've ever like watched 12 yeah. seasons of futurama or however much i don't even know how much it is i don't know i don't think I, it's uh, 12 yeah i don't think it's that many i so this is gonna make a lot of people like me less and that's and I, that's okay and that actually is good 
but I have seen every single episode that is available of Family Guy that has ever been put out. Mm. Um, Family Guy, South Park, King of the Hill, Futurama. I do this thing where I pick these big, long TV shows and then I just watch them all the way through. Uh, and then and when you get to the end, you have a crushing realization of you have nothing. That I have nothing, yeah. <laughs> and it's the worst feeling ever. Yeah, I do the same thing. Yeah, I've done it with <laughs> so many shows. The best show to do that all the way with is Malcolm in the Middle, which is uh, far and Aww. away the best TV show ever. I you do to watch love him Malcolm in grow the Middle. Up. It's kind of fun. Yeah, it, it fucking rocks. And now he's a NASCAR driver. <laughs> dude, hell yeah. Really? He's the coolest what? life. Yeah, dude, Frankie Muniz is like in NASCAR now. Like the Whoa, official sport of NASCAR. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. Dude, where's Reese though? Because like I remember that one where he tried to break his own leg to get out of going to prom with that girl. And I have questions about where he ended up as an adult. Actually, yeah. Where is Reese? <laughs> You know, yeah, you don't really see any of those other, uh, any of those actors like doing anything anymore, which is interesting. Yeah. I think I tap out it like seven. Well, I guess Friends. I've seen every season of Friends. I think there's 10. Uh, but other than that, uh, seven is where I tend to tap out because it's like seven seasons of Mad Men, seven seasons of True Blood. I'm about to go into season seven of Outlander. And then there's like one more after that. So. Hmm. Um, let's see. Okay, so I have watched, I believe, 16 seasons of America's Next Top Model. Uh, <laughs> with I, my that wife. Actually, that's, I, I didn't even think about reality TV. I, I'm, I guess, 14 seasons in on Drag Race with All-Star seasons as well. There you go. So it's like, yeah, those, those add those, up. That's, that does add up. Yeah. And TM, though, was a, uh, um, it's just an insane look into the minds of uh, models in a yeah. way that nothing has ever done. Uh, some of these people are truly insane. Uh, oh, and then, and then they're like all around Tyra Banks, yes. who is like another level of insane. And the whole show is so, uh, it's great. Which is crazy because I've met Tyra in person and she was very nice. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, she seems but, nice. That is yes. uh, mutually exclusive. That show is wild. I I watched <laughs> that show religiously in college for a while, and I find it very, very difficult to go back and watch it now. Oh, the early seasons, Mondo, they're insane. She'll like Tyra Banks will just come in and be like, "So you're incredible. Your teeth are wrong." Yes. <laughs> what? Yep. Yep. We're getting you new teeth. New teeth. Uh, we're going to give you a gap. Because <laughs> like, you need a tooth gap. They give a girl a tooth gap. A tooth gap. Well, that's, <laughs> the things that really started to get to me was the eating disorder culture of the show. Because, like, it is fat phobic to the max. Even when they have plus size girls. In a way is, that only the early 2000s could ooh, be. Yes. And, like... It was bad enough living through those years once, like let alone <laughs> watching them be like, Keisha, you're a size eight. That's disgusting. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, my Not God, even that. it'll be like a Please. 90 pound girl. And they'll be Ugh. like, I mean, 85 is kind of what Paris wants. Yeah, it's like, like those love it's handles. pretty wild. And then you'll just get roasted by like hilarious gay dudes about it and yeah. then that makes well, it seem not that crazy yeah because you're it like well they're seem, having a good time yes it makes it seem normal and like especially as someone who had to i feel like unlearn a lot of 
internalized fat phobia from growing up in that era watching it now i'm just like oh i can't like i can't even allow my brain to go to these places well my my favorite thing that ever happened on that show and it honestly i think it happened around season nine or ten and it kept me watching eight more seasons to be like will something <laughs> who knows when this could happen again mm-hmm. uh and it's this girl she's in a talking head and she starts she's like they're trying to like show that she's like really missing home and like mm-hmm. you know the competition's so hard on them and she's like talking about missing her son and she says uh he is my light he is my jaw wolf which i've looked up that's not a term that's not that's nothing i don't know what jaw wolf means could she have possibly uh, meant uh ja rule <laughs> he's my ja rule. uh he is the brightest child I have ever known, conceived to the hour of the 9-11 attacks. What? <laughs> what? And I go, wait, what? And so I look her up. I find out how old her kid is. Her kid was born in 2003. What? So she conceived her kid to the hour of the 9-11 attacks like two years later or a year later, I guess. And so, it's like the most bizarre thing, and I think about it all the time. And it, I was like, I have to keep watching this show, because who knows what they're going to say. Because an editor kept that in, and then a producer was like, yep. I'm sorry, if stays. you're a producer, and, and you get that, it how do you out, that? And then everybody watched it, and nobody, and I looked on Reddit, I'm like, are people constantly talking? Is this all people know and talk about the show? ANTM is like, just, I know it's hard to get into it, but this thing happens in season nine that you have to fucking see. And just get in and go and just wait for it and it's gonna come and nobody talks about it i'm like this is insane oh see <laughs> but, like rupaul's drag race is great about keeping in the crazy shit people say yeah. where they're like we know that you're watching for this we know that you're watching for her to come in and say rigor morris as if it's a person <laughs> and not a state like don't worry about it <laughs> oh Hey guys, I, I'm, we gotta I, talk about a cult, right? Yes, yeah. but I also have an update on Reese from Malcolm in the Middle. Yes, breaking. Reese report. So Reese, uh, first of all, I found out that apparently the the family their name was the Wilkerson's. Uh, which was established in the pilot, the Malcolm in the Middle family, they were supposed oh. to have no last name, and their last name mm. was no last name. Okay. Um, anyway, that's not important. I just found that out. So mm. Reese kind of stopped acting for a while, and the most recent thing that he did was he was in an episode of Sons of Tucson, <laughs> uh, that very forgettable Fox show that we all for that no one chooses oh, yeah. to talk about. Hold on, I'm yeah. Googling this because I it, it, it lives in like the Alan Gregory Son of Zorn era of Fox. Yeah. <laughs> Which I really like, Son of Zorn. Son of Zorn rips ass, dude. I wish that they could fucking bring that back. So Son of Zorn rules and ended on a cliffhanger. Uh, now, though, he focuses primarily on producing, um, and he is currently the CCO of Virgin Produced, which is oh, a, pro- fuck. a production company owned by Virgin, like Richard dude, Branson's that rules. Hell yeah. Virgin, and uh, have produced movies such as limitless uh jobs uh bad moms the edge of 17 but also movies like movie 43 so you know Uh kind of a yeah kind of a mixed bag um 
I was getting ready to dunk on it because so much of his, uh, so much of um, Justin Tyler Burfield, who played Reese, so much of his Wikipedia page is like, I don't know why the, the term virgin makes me laugh so much, but it's like he's a virgin producer and uh, <laughs> he does a bunch of charity work uh, through Virgin Unite, the charitable arm of Virgin Group. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Until okay. I realized it was that type of virgin, which is also still a very funny name for a company. Yeah, the Richard Branson kind, not the yeah. handout rings at concerts yeah. kind. <laughs> No, no. Although that would be awesome. I'm a virgin producer for Pure Flex. Uh, <laughs> I'm a virgin producer for was it Angel Fire or whatever Dry I Bar made, used to be called? I made a promise. Oh my God. Uh, to God Angel did myself. <laughs> I'm not going to watch any movies until I'm married to the movies. I only do clean comedy because <laughs> I love God. Uh. All right. <laughs> So let's get into this actual like we yeah, started this conversation of how many <laughs> seasons Dow had. That's why I was curious. Yeah. Um, sorry, we could do obviously an entire uh, TV podcast within this podcast. Yes. Uh, but the interesting thing about Dow, uh, like we talked about it in the last episode, sort of this this giant uh, Russian um, film slash uh, art piece slash theater exhibit, weird, you know, nebulous uh, creation. Um, the interesting thing is there were no scripts, no rehearsals, or reshoots. If they didn't get something, they didn't get it. Wow, okay. Um, and Kershinovsky claims not a single line of dialogue was written. And the German cinematographer Jörns Jurgis uh, compared <laughs> the process to shooting Sorry. a documentary. I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh at his name, but it just... I know. It's Jürgen's Jürgis is pretty funny. Uh, he he is, however, a off. great, a great cinematographer. Like, if you yes. look up any of, like, the Dow films, like, if you look up, like, Dow Natasha on YouTube, you can, like, see some footage from it. It looks gorgeous. Like, he shot the hell out of it. It looks like a cool, gritty, like, period piece. You know, they shot on film. Um... But uh, to anybody entering the set, even visiting journalists were required to not only wear era-appropriate costumes, but also would often have to cut their hair before they were allowed to have, like, era-appropriate hairstyles. Hmm, okay. Um, While on set, you were also uh, required to use era-appropriate words, like I said, or you would be fined by the Soviet guards on set. Um, this fine system was created after Ilya uh, found out that the crew had been smuggling in cell phones. Wow. Okay. Now, this is the crew. The crew smuggling in cell phones. Not the actors. The crew. Not the actors. So that means crew. even if you are, you're not in it, you're just working on it, they're still going to require you. To like be, like you're almost like method gripping. Or you're like method best boy electricing. <laughs> Do you know how fucking mad I would be to have to uh, dress, act, and stay completely in character like it's the 1930s to then go watch the movie and find out I had been edited out digitally? <laughs> and I can't speak to the crew, but one of the actors that was in the movie that I interviewed uh, could attest that the actors were not paid. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Production. 
they did get to live on set, obviously, but um, the money that they earned was from like, like I said, the girl who played Natasha, who like worked in the cafeteria, she worked in the cafeteria all day. So she like earned money from her cafeteria job that she could then go spend other places on set, like at the hair salon or at the, you know, whatever, at the little bar. Wow. Like, so it was like monopoly. Like there was like an economy within the the place, which even led to like, apparently at one point somebody, I think I've read in some of my research, somebody got arrested on set because they had left for like a medical reason and then came back and they had actually printed a bunch of fake, fake, fake money. Oh shit. Oh yeah. I was going to ask. Okay. Cause here's how fucked up I am. The moment you told me that they had their own economy, I was like, I want to be a criminal here. I want to <laughs> full on create a smuggling ring just in the background. Yes. And well, it's and not so, even a like, part of the movie. That becomes the, exactly. And that be, that is what I wanted to touch on. Armando is that this is not a part of the movie. And yet this is so much of what Ilya is being like, okay, so we need to create a fine system because <laughs> people are abusing my economy. That is not in the movie. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Um, so, uh, like I said, this fine system was created, uh, and, uh, you know, it was also fostered by a rich culture of snitching. Right? Oh, yeah. okay. Like you were encouraged, like you would get a pat on the back. You'd get maybe some more screen time. Like the cameras would follow you a little bit more if you like ratted out some other people. Wow. Okay, cool. So um, he really just did create the most extensive reality show ever made. Right. It's, 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 there's an argument to be like, when does it go from like reality show to like Stanford prison experiment to like cult to like, where yeah. does this nebulous, you know what I mean? Like line. Um, he said, uh, this is a quote uh, from him about the fine system uh, quote in a, this is like when somebody asked him like, there's things kind of fucked up to like do that. And he's like, in a totalitarian regime, mechanisms of suppression, trigger mechanisms of betrayal. So, what? Uh, <laughs> so yes is what you're trying I'm, to tell me. Yeah, like okay. So right. yeah. And he's like, I'm very interested in that. I think it's a weird. I think it's a weird strategy to try to defend yourself by comparing yourself to totalitarians. <laughs> yeah. Where you're like, well, yeah, I had to be a dictator. Yuck. <laughs> Like, I mean, but compared to Hitler, was I that bad? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. You never want to be compared to Hitler. You don't want to do anything that Especially people can be like, yourself. Hey, that's kind of hitler Yeah. Like, don't be the guy comparing yourself to Hitler. Right. Kanye. And, um. <laughs> and if you're comparing yourself to Hitler, maybe don't also hire Nazis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the other part. We There are Nazis on the payroll. Um, they're on the call sheet. Like that's what's insane <laughs> to me about this. Is like you can't. I can't take you seriously as a fucking filmmaker when you're like, okay, and the guy whose name is literally Russian for the razor. I'm not even kidding. Uh, or no, it's the cleaver. I'm sorry, the cleaver. His name is Russian for the cleaver, and he's like, uh, like a dude. Who, we'll talk about them, but yeah, he's like third on the call sheet. Anyway. Um, he's like at the crafty table. I guess there isn't a crafty table, but you know, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, 
you know, cinema certainly has a long history of directors losing their minds in projects, right? Of course. And, you know, the crew and the cast being forced to sort of, you know, descend into hell with them. You know, like I always think about like uh, um, Apocalypse Now and somebody yeah. called this oh, Apocalypse yeah. Now. And uh, that's just that's good shit. <laughs> um, but, you know, Apocalypse Apocalypse Now is sort of a great example of like a filmmaker going crazy. Uh, but like coming out of it with this like, you know, incredible work, right? Right. Um, but Dow is sort of a filmmaker going crazy and then sort of just coming out of it with a lot of work. Yeah, not necessarily good, just a lot. Like a quantity lot of it, over quality. Yeah, it's like yeah, you know, these you certainly. He's like, we filmed everybody for seven hundred hours. We captured their real reactions, and you're like, yeah. You did. You did do that. <laughs> uh, is that interesting? I don't know, but why are these movies six hours? Um, so, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah, some of them are six hours, Doc. Uh, the, I think the shortest is like two and a half hours. The longest is literally like five forty-eight or something. Um, and I watched them all. Jesus <laughs> Christ! <laughs> and there's some are better than others. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I probably the ones that aren't five and a half hours are better than the ones that <laughs> yeah. aren't. Right. In a KGB fantasy camp. Um so you know, I there's a lot of people that are that are in this thing and I and this is probably something you guys talk about quite a bit uh, on the show, but it's sort of this idea of like once you've been there for two years playing pretend KGB. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, What's five more? That sunken right. cost fallacy, baby. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right. And yeah. I feel like that's sort of... Now, that is uh, done in conjunction with... Um, this is basically free room and board while you're here. Yeah. Like, you're isolated from the rest of the world, but, like, they're taking care of everything pretty much. Right. I can also And they've got you- the money, too. Right? Yeah. Like, everybody is eating. Everybody is... Does have a place to sleep, even if it's in an old abandoned swimming pool. Uh, <laughs> or a jail. <laughs> yeah, or, or a jail. jail. Yeah. Uh, um, I can definitely see, like, one, with, with all of your basic human needs met, you're, you know, you're like, well, something is clearly okay. Like, I have a place to stay. I'm eating, et cetera, absolutely. whatever. Right. Like, that's working. But then, because that part is being satiated, like, your basic human needs... Then it allows you to basically be like, well, Ilya has to be a genius. We wouldn't have been doing this for so long if he clearly didn't have a genius vision. And he's done other things that have been regarded well in the past. So, like, yeah, it sounds radical, but you have to be radical if you're going to create the next art. Uh, And they're saying all of this while being dragged away to prison because they brought in more Monopoly money. (laughs) Right. Well, and I will say... um... With the exception of, I think, one person, uh, there are others that haven't publicly come out, but one one publicly, uh, there's only ever been one real actor who's ever like said really anything negative about Ilium. Most of the people that worked heavily on the film, um, including a woman, I'll have to find her name because it's a it's a intense Russian name I can't remember off the top of my head, but she uh, she sort of in post-production become like a director of the movies as well by like going through the footage and sort of, you know, and Ilya's made her co-director on stuff. And, but she just started, I think, as like an actress. 
uh, mm. but became close to Ilya during the filming and stuff. And uh, these people are like still intensely all in on like, he's a genius. We changed cinema forever. This is the most incredible art of all time, etc. Um, wow. So like these people are still, he's very much got his supporters. Uh, in fact, this might be kind of a fun time or kind of a fun moment. Um, I'm going to send you uh, guys here in the chat. I think this would be kind of fun uh, for you, for one of you guys to read. Uh, whoever wants to read it, I'll send it here in the oh, Zoom I, chat. I got you, baby. Uh, so this is uh, Phenom Films, which is the production company that they made for Dow. This is their glass door page. Um, and you can read here some reviews from people that actually went in to interview uh, for jobs during their post-production. So this is after the we're jumping a little bit out of out of order here. Mm. This is after they finished the films and stuff, because there were years of post-production on these. Obviously, they had to go through all right. this footage. Um but uh, if you if you navigate over to the interviews tab, Armando, uh-huh. uh, and then you scroll down to IT manager interview from November 2nd, 2019. <laughs> uh, and I'd like for you to just go ahead and read. So this is uh, for this is their London um, post-production uh, studio looking for a new IT manager. And so this guy's thinking, you know, he's going for an IT job at a production company. All right, hold on. First of all, I have to apparently make a Glassdoor account. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, not employed. <laughs> uh, just fucking okay. Job title. Um, I think you could just if you once you've made the account at all without filling in any of that shit. I think you can just uh, like go to the link again and get in. But I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're okay. I'm gonna do. I can also DM you a screenshot. Porn fluffer. Uh, desired job location <laughs> anywhere. Fluffer. I'll fluff that corn anywhere. Okay, apparently <laughs> that's not an uh, a job title in their system. Did I enter it correctly? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Glass doors, like holy shit, holy shit. We have the only one. <laughs> Recent employer, Brazzers. <laughs> i don't know who corn is but he is getting fluffed contract oh my god there's so m okay this is good. this is not uh are there do you get bonuses tips or sales commission yeah uh six six years experience no, you can 69 years experience or keep what's funny nice. elliot do follow your heart <laughs> I applied through an employee referral. The process took one day. I interviewed at Phenomenon Films in London, England. A friend of a friend set up an interview with this company. I'm sure they had good intentions. So you walk into the facility in Piccadilly and step inside to meet this dark, dark room with marble floors. The room is vast and spacious. There were people in 1940s attire milling around in this room. There was a man sitting at a grand piano, another man peering out of the window past the drawn heavy curtains, which went from floor to ceiling. The only <laughs> light source in this room was on an antique desk at the far end of the room, presided over by two burly Russian men <laughs> in black suits. Like, this is like <laughs> a, a, a lynch scene. Yeah. Like, this is like Twin Peaks. <laughs> yes. They, yeah. they didn't speak much. They took my picture with a webcam and asked me to sign my name on their register and sit down. I took my seat next to the man peering out of the window. 
And then I realized it was a mannequin. So was what? the man playing the <laughs> piano. All of them mannequins. What? A girl came downstairs and fetched me, and we took one of the lifts up to the higher floors. The other lift was as out of order due to the 10 and to 15 mannequins their way into like, this is an A24 movie that like, started as an IG interview. I have to read this again because I need you to know that I read this correctly. The other the other lift is out of order due to the 10 to 15 mannequins heaving their way into it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She took me to a room with many vintage TV set screens playing black and white footage of something. The content was quite lurid and sometimes a bit unsettling. They gave me a plate of food from the kitchens to tide me over while I waited for the producer who was to interview me. He arrived, sat down, and told me about the project. He mentioned they had over 700 hours of footage that they needed to edit down. I asked him how long the films were, and he said two to three hours each. I asked him how many films they intended to make. He said, maybe three. At this point, oh I realized the project was going to become insane, but carried on anyway. <laughs> He took me upstairs to meet some other guy I'd be working with. They didn't really have questions for me. They just told me they needed an IT guy to fix up the place. They didn't show me anything about the infrastructure. They didn't tell me what I'd be working with at all. What he did do was get up and go to the balcony for a smoke mid-interview. There was no furniture in the rooms. The place looked like a once very nice building that had been gutted except for the pool table, green carpets, and mahogany trim. Internet cable trailing all over the place. It looked like a disaster area. Honestly, I was just curious to what exactly they were trying to do. I, I didn't know what the film they were making was or, or the stories it's about. Uh, it was all unknown and, and, and when I left I didn't know much more. They didn't give me the name of the film. I had to find that out later for myself. They basically explained that the expectations of the job for me for five minutes uh, and then they gave me that look of when can you start but I kept asking them questions because I wasn't comfortable with the questions. I thought it might be interesting so I offered to work part time for them and we'd see where that went. He said they only needed full time. I said no thank you at which point he got up and left. After searching them up on Google, I managed to find some pretty damning stuff of a similar nature and some vile stories of abuse within the company. From what I saw and the manner of some people, I absolutely believe it. Negative experience, but easy interview. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And so I found that and I'm like, holy shit. What a fucking day. Right. Like, <laughs> like, what a weird... I think if I was in a crowded room and realized it was filled with mannequins, that would be it for me. The moment... Yes! Yes! The moment I saw... I would not get to 10 to 15 mannequins. I would see one mannequin and go, well, I'll see you guys later, actually. Uh, There's another one that I read that was like, uh, was like, the interviewer had... It was in this busy main room where all these people were milling around and and like loudly clanking dishes and talking like screaming at each other and it felt like strangely staged like maybe it was all part of a play and then they fed me and honestly shrimp was pretty good <laughs> <laughs> offer declined easy interview <laughs> yeah. oh, um, man. so i just wanted to to throw that in for a second but um 
you know, after after a ton of research, you know, I was really interested in um, the set. You know, this huge yeah. set, the biggest set ever constructed in Europe. You know, a hundred million dollars yeah. put into this. They recreated so where is it? Where's the buildings? They made buildings, Paige. I Armando, know. There's buildings. I've seen the footage. Uh-huh. So I'm like, I got to know what's still there. So I, um, you know, I, 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 I go on Instagram and I start searching. I start searching geotags of Kharkiv. And mm-hmm. I find this really, really talented uh, photographer named Yura. Uh, who uh, shoots like drone footage and stuff. And I told him what I was doing. And as soon as I mentioned the movie, because he's from Kharkiv where they filmed it, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I remember now. Oh, and shit. I'm like, I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, the, those people who like made that movie for like five years. And I'm like, yeah, it was actually seven. He's like, yeah, sounds about right. And I'm like, do you know where it is? And I sent him some some Google Maps stuff. He's like, yeah, I know where that is. And actually, there's two other places they set up like smaller things too. And I'll I'll go and film those also. And so he went around with drones and sent me. I wired him uh, like two hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> through uh, Western Union, a thing that like <laughs> sadly uh, months later would not be possible uh, to like get money in and out of the Ukraine right now. Uh, right. But um, Luckily, and he's actually been uh, doing some incredible, like on the grounds, uh, like on the ground, like first account journalism of what's happening over there. Um, so he's actually really cool. Uh, but he shot this incredible drone footage for me of the location and basically what it looks like now. It looks like they tore down pretty much all the structures, um, but. Uh, you know, the, these things were huge. And when you get actually see them in context of like the city, you're like, oh, wow, this was like blocks and blocks and blocks. You yeah. know, this this sports complex that it was built at the Dynamo Sports Stadium uh, was like a big like, you know, one of those like big Soviet things of like, oh, we're going to have the biggest stadiums and the biggest, you know, bike tracks and these huge. And now all that stuff is like run down and it like looks mm. all cool and like dystopian and, like <laughs> you know. Uh, so, um, Kershinovsky and his casting assistants wanted to populate the Institute, right? With, you know, thousands of people over the, the course of the movies because the extras and stuff, they had to change when they would do time jumps, you know? Um, and so he was dead set. Also, he called his cast participants, not not cast or well that explains why they weren't paid yeah Yeah. (laughs) they were just participating yeah um and he was dead set on non-actors hmm um so for instance you know waitresses would be hired for the institute cafeteria and they would have to be waitresses you know or kgb would be hired to be kgb uh for the lead role though uh he ended up casting tidor uh Currency, a Greek classical conductor to play hmm. Lev Landau, um, who had a busy touring schedule, so really wasn't there for that much of Dow. Uh, he was kind of busy. Hmm. Like, they filmed for, like, seven years. He wasn't there for that much of it because, like, kind of busy. This whole thing is about his character, but he's kind of busy. Wild. Um, and, uh, but they're doing, like, whole movies on side characters. So, like, right. that's So how. he doesn't need to be there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, but also, like, he doesn't really speak Russian. Huh. What? He's Greek. 
Yeah. So his Russian is like shaky at best. And uh, everyone's like, isn't that like, that feels kind of weird. And Ilya's response was all geniuses are foreigners. What? <laughs> what? That's not an explanation. My guy. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He's like, you could try to argue with Ilya, but he just invents bullshit whole cloth. Like, yeah, and tries to be like, but aren't I deep though? Dude, every <laughs> sentence, every quote that you've ever read from Ilya sounds like he just hit a big ass blunt right before opening his phone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gee, this is foreigner's brother. Oh, shit, dude. I didn't know he was Hulk Hogan. That's fucking rap, rap. Hey, brother, we're going to change cinema, dude. <laughs> <laughs> This is 24 why... lies per second, brother. <laughs> Here's the problem. When people go into Hulkamania, I need to believe it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, watch Dow starring Dave Batista, brother. <laughs> As Lev well, Landau, the sushi. only scientist who fucks. <laughs> uh, one of the only other acting professionals in the cast was uh, Ramila Shalongilev who plays Landau's wife. Um, and before shooting began, for a full year, uh, Ilya had her work a manual labor job at a chocolate factory and work like a night job at a hospital. Is he Willy um, Wonka? <laughs> <laughs> he made her be an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> <laughs> I need to believe. And Augustus Gloop will stand there and you will stand over here. When you There's sing no your Oompa song, I must going. feel it in my soul. <laughs> yes. When you say, no, I won't give you the everlasting gobstopper, I need to believe it. <laughs> that gobstopper yeah. is everlasting. <laughs> well, no one ever talks about how Willy Wonka was torturing those Oompa Loompas for 17 years just to get the perfect chocolate bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't know if you know, regular chocolate is all bullshit. Yeah. Every sure. chocolate I've ever made is bullshit. And real chocolatiers are foreign. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, not wrong. Maybe a great American First, chocolatier. To... I'll wait. <laughs> yeah. We have to create the Charleston Shooniverse. And then... <laughs> Get ready for my series of seven chocolate bars and several Hershey's Kisses. Um... But this was this was devised by Kershnovsky to quote beat the actress out of her. Oh, oh no, Jesus! Oh no, does she need a friend? Is Shelley Duvall available? <laughs> she loves it. She thinks it is a genius movie. Again, most okay. of his people who worked with him think he's great. Um, uh, he was even he even cast the main actress in Natasha uh, from a porn website. Oh, like an amateur porn website. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, and while, like I said in my piece, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, obviously. Um, it is indicative of how Ilya viewed his cast, right? Yeah. Like, he he wanted to you know, create situations to play out fantasies that he had, in my opinion. Mm. Um, professional extras didn't suit Kershnovsky. Instead, he hired a team of photographers who roamed the streets of three major cities looking for fresh faces. Their efforts resulted in a database of over 200,000 candidates. Wow. This wow. was, I don't know if it's, their website changes a lot because they're psycho, but um, 
at one point their website you could actually go through all 200,000 people that they considered that was like a part of their website Um, when the cameras aren't rolling uh, Dow's costume and makeup departments would process extras 50 a day day in and day out each one getting costumed haircuts jewelry everything appropriate to their backstory their class their status etc so it's not Whoa. just people, but it's like, okay, you have to dress the slightly more working class people slightly more working class, and they have different haircuts at that time, and they use different hair products at that time, and they, mm. you know what I mean? Like, literally mm. everything has to be different. At Kershinovsky's request, um, each costume fitting was to be recorded. I, really? I've seen the pictures of this that, that, that are uh, online. And when each person was fully put into their full costume and the last touches were put on them, each person was asked, what does happiness mean to you and what do you live for? Jeez. Oh, they have a fucking gun to their head, too? Jesus Christ. (laughs) You know, a costume fitting. Um, (laughs) You've been to costume costume fittings, guys. When you walk out to be in the background of that progressive commercial, they're always just like, what is car insurance to you? And what car insurance do you live for? Dude, costume fitting in America is so different. It's just the nicest women you've ever met in your entire life lightly touching you up with makeup and telling you how nice your hair looks today. (laughs) Costume fittings for me have always been like, oh, we don't have that size. Can you just bring your own clothes? And I'm just like, yeah, I guess. I've Thanks, had that guys. too. I, I beg to bring my own clothes. <laughs> I usually I bring beg. them regardless because I never like if they don't ask me to bring my own clothes, I bring them just in case because I know I'm going to show up there and they're going to be like, we don't have anything that fits you. We could just binder clip it to your back fat. And I'll be like, <laughs> how about this dress? And they're like, that's actually better. And so they like always choose my clothes. But yeah. I've been on set a couple times where they had to get something uh, like, you know, custom for me to, to wear. And the nice thing right. is, is almost every time uh, somebody on costumes gets something for me, they just let me keep it because they're like, yeah. I don't know any other six, five gorilla men. So go <laughs> ahead. Take these pants that should fit two small children in it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um. So, like I said, most people support him. Uh, There's sort of two outstanding people from the cast that have had problems with it. Um, One we'll talk about later, but one we'll talk about now, uh, who's Yulia. Uh, Yulia's done several interviews while remaining uh, anonymous, but she was uh, apparently a graduate of a prestigious directing workshop um, who was asked to... uh, be interviewed to be one of Ilya's ADs, right? So she's mm-hmm. like this European direct up and coming director and gets told like, Hey, there's this really cool, ambitious project that's being done. Like this really revolutionary director there. He's looking for an AD. So she arrives to the Dow set to have to go through the whole process, followed by hours of waiting hours of people being like, you're going to meet Ilya. He's incredible. Like, just wait until you meet Ilya. Like, you're not ready mm-hmm, for Ilya. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he meets him, and she's like, he's like awkward and weird. Like, she's like not really that impressed by him. Mm-hmm. And then he, she says, like, it's a very uncomfortable night. Uh, 
where she keeps asking stuff. He keeps asking her stuff like, uh, so when did you lose your virginity? Oh, no. Mm. And no, he's you. like, I want you to say you've been waiting for me all day. What? And then she's like, uh, she's like, are, he's like, are you the kind of girl that can walk up to a guy in a club and fuck him without finding so much as his name out? Um, no. Are no, any of your friends for safety? Whores? What? Uh, these are among the Whoa. interview questions that he to asked be an her. AD. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you proficient? She's like adjusting the lenses, and she's like, "Bro, what? Are you a proficient in Microsoft Office Suite?" Yeah. <laughs> how do, how are you with spreadsheets? Do you have a how studio binder account? Uh, yeah. What kind of underwear are you wearing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we tend to use Dropbox here. Are you familiar <laughs> with Google Drive? Yeah. Speaking of which, have you ever dropped your box on a man's face before? Stop <laughs> <laughs> finding out so much as his name. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love how he's like trying to talk dirty to her, but he's also acting like he's going to like burn her at the stake. Yeah. <laughs> you never find out so much as her name, harlot. <laughs> Does this cat beast you're familiar with? Doth yeah. the pussy pop? <laughs> oh. uh, so she said, What the... if your neck and your back <laughs> and your crack pained you? Yeah. What no. if the crack? <laughs> what of the crack? <laughs> Uh, the director himself wouldn't make a move, Yulia said. That wasn't his style. But she clearly, she said he clearly expected her to be throwing herself at him at this point. Uh, hmm. um, and she had to, uh, she had been told um, after like leaving the room with him that because uh, she like was not clearly not into him. They were like, mm, we think you and Ilya just have differing outlooks. And she, mm. she was told that she could not join the project. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's. I think that's a smart way to go. Um, so, like I said, their glass door page is crazy, uh, but there were even accusations that um, many hidden cameras were used. Uh, you know, Kershinovsky says that he never uh, installed cameras; they didn't tell people were there. Um. Mm. And that he never forced anybody uh, to do anything against their will. Uh, but as I teased in the last episode, we now have to talk about, uh, among the biggest accusations, the bottle scene. Oof. Oof. Uh, so massive uh, content warning here. Um, this is an infinite, uh, infamous scene in uh, Down Natasha um, where uh, a real-life... Uh, former KGB officer uh, who if you believe the things written about these KGB officers definitely tortured people when he was an active actual KGB officer but was like sort of like got out through these like government pardon things that they did for Mm. these guys Mm -hmm. Um, uh, he forces Natasha uh, to insert an empty cognac bottle uh, into her vagina and Ilya remains that this was simulated, like somehow it was like a collapsing glass bottle or something. I don't know what. Sorry, the fuck I shouldn't he laugh means. at that, but I'm, it's so it's ridiculous. Absurd. You're laughing at the absurdity of his bullshit. Like, yeah. well, and and here's the thing: I, I am a, a, a person who 
there are people who do what are called non-simulated sex scenes in films. Yeah, and, and if and if everyone's cool and consenting, that's if totally cool. Then we're we're cool. I just I just need to make sure that everyone was cool. And that's sort of what everybody says, and that's what I got to in the last part of like he puts so much emphasis on every part of this is real. Nothing is scripted. No dialogue is done. Nothing is. We don't know what's going to happen. The cameras are just following. But this scene, no. This scene we yeah. did, we 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 orchestrated, made sure everything was safe, consent was perfect on set. We nobody like he's hitting her in this scene, like full on, like smacking her and shit. Like oh, it's intense. And this guy is a fucking true like uh, KGB guy. Yeah, his name is Zippo. Uh, you can look him up. He was fucking. He was a gnarly fucking dude. Like, oof. And so well, it's and, like in this, but this actress, like she's been in this shit for so long, for years. Yeah. And part of her might even be like, I don't know. It, it's, 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 it's so removed from reality, literally in a, in an effort to recreate reality that that's what interests me about that. Yeah. Well, and, and now, and, and this is a, a much more recent phenomenon, like the last year or two. Now you have intimacy coordinators on set for yeah. things like that, where they're going to work closely with everyone involved to make sure everyone is comfortable with what's happening. That definitely wasn't the case when this happened because it's, you know, not even the case all the time now. So like even in a case where someone, I mean, like unless I heard from that actress, like I was super excited <laughs> to work on this and put a bottle in a place. But like if, if they've been living on set with no pay for years, I have to imagine that there's some amount of situational coercion that goes into that. No matter what, Absolutely. just given the nature of the project. Absolutely. And just feeling like, I mean, I don't even know if like, where do you think you could go? You know what I mean? Like some of these people are from like, russia and stuff they're just in the ukraine now they have no money they don't have their passports yeah. they don't have any other stuff you know what i mean like yeah yeah you're stuck there for years you're stuck there for years. i mean i don't know it's pretty crazy um <clears throat> in uh dow degeneration which is uh one of the more intense movies uh in the in the set because it's sort of the last movie this is their okay. end game right this is their big like Great. literally everything it's called degeneration because it's about like you know uh i i believe dow is even dead in this movie maybe or part of it he's gone or gets fired from the institute um and it's sort of about the institute falling apart and it gets the institute gets burned down by nazis like it did in real life and the whole place gets destroyed and every character in the movie gets murdered uh, by Nazis, Jeez. all the characters that you came to know and love over all these, these 700 hours of cuddly footage. Um, they get like viciously murdered by the Nazis on set. And then um, the whole set and everything gets burned down. And I think that that's actually a lot of the actual demolition they did to get rid of the set was mm. they like had, they threw a giant cast party on the set. Uh, while they were tearing it down to like tear it down together, like as a big group and they hired peaches to play it. Like the teaches of peaches. The peaches. band peaches. Yeah. Peaches. Peaches played the Dow rap party. What? 
Did they also have to get haircuts and wear like, appropriate No, cards? no, that's like, the thing. Everything the is 19. It's, like it's 19. The pictures are insane. It's 1960s burning Russia, and then it's peaches in like a a pink bodysuit. It's crazy. <laughs> what? It's pretty cool. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but endowed generation. Uh, which is set 15 years after the events of Natasha. Um, a Zippo, uh, who is now like takes over as a KGB, like, like, like the director of the whole Institute. Right. So mm. in Natasha, he was just like an officer, like working at the Institute, but now a Zippo is like taken over the whole Institute. Right. Uh, and he brings in a group of right wing youths led by real life neo-Nazi known as Tesek Russian for the cleaver. Yikes. Um, Maxim started a far-right extremist group called Format 18, which am a, uh, among a bunch of other like crazy Nazi fucked up shit, uh, started something called Occupy Pedophilia, which was a series of hate crimes uh, slash videos where Maxim and Format 18 would make fake ads on dating sites for like luring gay men into situations, and then um, they would attack them and like accuse them of being pedophiles. Jeez. Um, this is like widely documented. Like this is what he was like known for, and Ilya was mm. like, "Get me those guys. I no, want. Geez. I want the please don't destroy of beating gay people in the street." <laughs> Be like. <laughs> That's such, that is such up. an inside baseball reference. <laughs> it really is. Um, it's also such a funny way to go. This is what he was mainly known for, which means... Yeah, 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 yeah. He also did cooking videos, but no. <laughs> yeah. uh, Get me the lonely island of torture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally. But like, so that is to say, uh, Tessic is, like, Maxim is an absolute uh, fucking piece of shit. Um, yeah. Silver linings. Uh, no, no. Uh, Maxim was arrested for, I think, beating somebody almost to death or to death. Um, and he was actually sentenced to 10 years in Russian prison, uh, during which he was apparently tortured so bad that he died. So, oh, oh, my God. Shit. Holy shit. Oh. Yikes. So, silver linings everywhere. Um, oh, God. But, uh, you know, again, it's just to even put that person in your movie is putting your cast in danger. And then there are sex scenes like Tessic has sex scenes like Tessic gets to fuck on the set of this movie. He's like fucking and it's actresses. unsimulated, right? Unsimulated. I mean, he'll like Ilya will say it is, I guess. I don't know. It looks like they're just yeah. fucking, though, dude. It looks like they're all drunk and fucking like. Yeah, it's crazy. Like. Uh, to me, it's putting every all those people in danger because uh, yeah, who knows what would happen with these guys? And they're like literally a group of fucking Ukrainian neo Nazis. Like these are like five of the scariest dudes you could ever be around in like the world. You know, they're up there yeah. with like I don't know, like 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 regular Nazis. Yeah, or like fucking warlords, or like you know what I mean? <laughs> like I don't know, yeah. like they're like. A group of Russian or like Ukrainian neo Nazis about the scariest thing you could ever put people around. Yeah. And he yeah. does it without even like the second thought for the cast safety. Like, there's not, not like they yeah. have a security force, not like there's anyone that could stop these guys. Like, right. that's kind of the point. He wanted degeneration. He wanted the cast to feel like everything was falling apart. So he brought in yeah. these people to like totally change the vibe on set. 
and it became mm. like these guys world and they like took over and came in and started like aggressively fucking people and like threatening the guys and like fucking you know what I mean like they changed everything on this set wow um and and that is to say that they even like started coming in and like doing experiments with the uh the guys, because like I said, this is a fully functioning research facility, so they are like doing experiments. Um, there's yeah. like all these big, weird, like iron Soviet like test chambers, and it looks like they're trying to make Captain America and shit. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, they're just trying to make a bad movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they're like, whatever movie is bad, it will be worse. But whatever movie <laughs> is good, it will be better. Uh, <laughs> that's how the serum works. Uh, so within Degeneration's six-hour uh, runtime, oh my god! Uh, there's a scene where Maxim and his boys uh, engage in physical violence with a gay cast member. Uh, they find out that this American cast member is gay, um, mm. and they like drag him into a room and beat him up. And Jeez. that cast member is the only person who's come out and said that that was like one of the most terrifying things that's ever happened to him. And that the, ex- the entire ordeal was extremely traumatizing. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that. And they could be, um, and, he, <laughs> and he was actually Maria Abramovich's like, um, like protege. Right. Oh he, shit. He, he is like a performance artist. Right. And he was brought mm-hmm. in as like an American performance artist, like hearing about this crazy, you know, performance art thing that's happening. So he went there to go check it out. And, uh, yeah, they found out he was gay and they, you know, they beat him up. Do they even try to say that it was like simulated or anything or do they just He'll just he'll literally just be like all violence exists in the world in a vacuum. A person cannot find peace. What? Okay. Like he'll like, you know what I mean? Like he you try and talk to him and he just like word salads philosophy buzzwords at you. Like Yeah. Yeah. Um Jeez. I did try and reach out to that actor, but he did not. Uh, he never got back to me. Um, well, yeah. The problem is, is you opened your email with "Hey, gay boy." <laughs> yeah, I opened it with, with just a picture of uh, of Maxim. Oh, <laughs> a oh, picture God. of Tessic. I hope that guy's uh, okay. That that sounds like the he, most terrifying. He, he does fucking... seem to be. He does seem to be totally okay. But I mean, at, what happened to him is absolutely not okay. Um, yeah. At the end of Degeneration's uh, six-hour masturbatory final climax, like I said, the neo-Nazis kill all the characters um, and set the Institute on fire. And the worst part for me is that this is, like, clearly the coolest day of these guys' lives. Like, they're getting to, like, pretend to kill, like, 200 people with no repercussions and like set a giant building on fire. Like they're having the time of their fucking lives. And that is a real bummer. Um, Yeah. Now we're almost out of the woods with the worst of the worst, but we do have to talk about the other bad thing that I set up. Uh, The scene where they do experiments on babies. Um, So there's a scene where they uh, torture slash experiment on babies that are like kept in cages uh, and like taken out and like 
diode things are like all attached to them and stuff and the babies are like crying and it's fucking like meant to be really fucking unsettling and like i said these babies are literally like kept in cages like carried around in cages like they're like i don't know like bunnies or something right like yeah um and it's rough dude i mean these are like babies that like can't support their own head yet you know what i mean like these are like newborn infants baby ass babies Uh, baby ass babies and uh I mean, he claims that this scene was fucking not not real, guys. It's like this is another mm-hmm. one that was was all fake. Um, now, I actually spoke the actor I spoke to. Um, uh, his name is because uh, he's actually he's he's a he's a bit of a character. Uh, Doctor Fallon, James Fallon, um, <laughs> Doctor James <laughs> Fallon. Who is Jimmy the, Fallon. Who is the leading, uh, like, the leading expert on uh, psychopaths. Oh, okay. Uh, he has a great TED Talk on psychopaths. He's a really interesting guy to talk to. Really nice guy. Um, and he was brought in because he is this, Ilya saw his TED Talk on psychopaths. Uh, interesting. Um, and decided, <laughs> like, he wanted that guy to, like, come in and be, like, a, uh, he plays, like, a American specialist who comes in to, like, help out at the facility and like pontificate mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, and he was like, Oh no, it was a great time. And the, uh, the babies were like, there were nurses on set and they took good care of the babies. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, but I looked it up and, uh, they used Ukrainian orphans. Mm. This was to obviously get around any kind of like parental consent. Yeah. And, uh, I'll tell you guys this much. Uh, one of the worst days of my life was the day that I researched for this video about Ukrainian orphanages. Cause holy oh, I fuck, believe that. Yeah. holy fuck, there is no place maybe worse on earth than a Ukrainian orphanage. Um, and these babies have no fucking say over anything. Uh, there's basically an entire class of, of people in, in the Ukraine that are like orphans, that get fucked out of ever getting a family. And then when they turn 18, the state deems them as like invalid people Hmm. and forces them to just work for the state for free. So they basically like, there's like this pipeline of like orphanages to like straight to basically just becoming like state labor. Yeah. That's slave labor. Um, Like a hundred percent. Yeah. And it's a horrible practice. There's an incredible documentary and a a great um article from the telegraph uh sort of detailing all that but um basically they they claim dow claims that quote no children were harmed during this scene which depicts fake experiments being carried out on them all children in the institute were accompanied by their parents and or qualified caregivers at all times to ensure their safety and well-being hmm um, I will also say that the Telegraph uh, originally ran that story without that quote from them, uh, and they were uh, uh, sued and asked uh, by Ilya um, for damages that he would be oh, wow. donating, okay. he claimed. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. ever happened, but uh, they did uh, issue a retraction, which is interesting for the Telegraph to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know they could be wrong maybe they they took great care of the babies again it's just another one of those things that everybody has like a lot of questions about <laughs> yeah 
Now, once the filming was done, we talked about this a little bit. Um, they planned to debut the film in Berlin in September, intended to be the first stop on a three-city tour that would also go to Paris and London. However, their Berlin stop was canceled, guys. Um, and it was canceled weeks before it was even supposed to open uh, because the city administrators uh, rejected the proposal, right? Um, hmm. Now, this proposal, you're saying, like, why would they reject the proposal for, like, a movie screening? Well, that's because Ilya's proposal uh, was that um, it couldn't just be a screening of the movie. No, no, no. Uh, it needed to be an interactive spectacle. And um, 1.5 miles of walls were to be constructed encircling the event until the until the final night, um, where on the anniversary of the Berlin wall, uh, the walls would be torn down by the audience together. Hmm. Oh, wow. That's super dangerous. I could see why they wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. Cause the city was like, yeah, first of all, we're not remaking the Berlin wall dog. Yeah. And second, sure. uh, having a bunch of random brick walls everywhere is horrible for like emergency services. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like a bet for like your shitty movie premiere. I do love the idea though of fucking Gorbachev just chilling, being like, oh shit, here we go again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh shit, brother. I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> um so visitors to the theater uh uh who had uh who had to be over eighteen had to purchase entry visas. Um, a three-hour pass cost thirty-five dollars, or you could get a forty-dollar. Uh, oh, sorry, thirty-five euros, or about forty dollars, or you could get an M1 visa, which gave you access to uh, to it for a month, um, and went for one hundred and fifty dollars. Um, for the longer passes, visitors did have to do, like I said, the psychometric testing, and they would also get an electronic device that would guide them through the installation, and it would tailor itself to your recommendations based on the results of your psychometric test. So it wow. would show you, uh, Dow would show you the things you needed to see. Uh, each visitor's experience was to be different seeing the films, uh, although everyone would be invited to watch at least one of the 13 feature films that they had from the footage they cut, uh, mean, only a small portion of what was available to watch. Um, meanwhile, the actors were also living within the theater, uh, reliving their institute lives in small backstage areas for over two months uh, in Soviet-style apartments to be watched by visitors as part of the supplementary exhibit. Dang. So you could watch these movies and shit and then, like, walk behind a curtain and there's, like, two-way mirrors and shit and it's just, like, one of the cast members, like, living out their life still in a little room. I just love the oh. idea of going and seeing Fast and Furious and then walking out. <laughs> <laughs> Don Toretto's just fucking there in his apartment. Yo, is that ludicrous? Like, oh wow, look at that insane pile of Corona bottles everywhere. That's insane. Oh my God. <laughs> That's so good. Um, so now if you remember uh, the dystopian novelist I talked about in part one who had written the original script for Dow. So obviously he was like, it's been years and he like tried to go into this with an open mind. Uh, but on his blog where he kind of talked shit about Dow, he wrote uh, this about going to the quote grandiose premiere. An hour and a half was enough. 
<laughs> I left the, the viewing hall and I asked Ilya's assistant, he himself was in London, uh, to show me another piece, something more interesting. I heard about a lot of brutality or porn scenes. Uh, I like how he was like, I want the good shit, bro. Um, yeah, of course. And then he, he was like, show me some of the interesting stuff. Like, this is boring. And the answer came from London. If it's boring, it's better not to watch it all. And so he goes, he said he ended it by going, bravo, Ilya, but I still prefer cinema. The best, the best dig. Um, someone else asked Kershnovsky if he considered himself to be a psychopath during an interview. And he responded, life is a dangerous field. It's very fragile. A dangerous game, for sure. That's it? Yep, that <laughs> that's is, it. That's the, that's, that's a, <laughs> it's like, yeah. That's the spiciest yes. version of yes you could have done. Because it's <laughs> right? like, yes. you didn't just tell me you're a fucking psychopath. You told me that, like, you know that I know that you know you're a psychopath. Right, right. Yeah. You, if you say those words in that order, you, a white cat appears in your lap for you to pet. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Um, so uh, Kershinovsky, though, um, has been getting even more work. Uh, in fact, uh, Kershinovsky is also the artistic director for the Ukrainian Holocaust Commemoration Project, the Babanyar Holocaust Memorial Center. Mm. <laughs> so uh, the Babanyar is uh, like the second biggest, uh, like I believe after Auschwitz, Babanyar is like where the most people were killed in like one thing happening. Um, mm. And it was literally like became like a giant mass grave where they would like, literally like pile bodies like they would just gun people down in rows and throw them in a big fucking ditch like and it was like this horrible atrocity um and now they have a a um you know a big museum and, and cultural center there uh you know at this location um but for whatever reason Ilya was brought in to become the new director of this project um mm. In the words of one of the uh, assistant directors who stepped down during Ilya's reign, he envisioned creating a, quote, Holocaust Disneyland. Oh, no. In which the staff, in which he plans uh, to display, to do displays in which visitors would, quote, find themselves playing the roles of victims, collaborators, Nazis even, or prisoners of war being forced to burn corpses. Oh, yikes. So it's like, what's that, uh, what's that, like, um, that, like, Western, uh, like, amusement park from that episode of South Park where everyone's, like, in, in oh, like, yeah. break Old character? Wild, like, like Westworld. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like Wild West World. Yeah. <laughs> where they're all not allowed to break character. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't think these people have ever been to Disneyland. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or at least have never known people who worked at Disneyland because for as much as Disney has like like full on rules about conduct and hair and, and the way you can look and everything there's also people fucking on the light table at Pirates of the Caribbean so like you know <laughs> yeah. or people just coming to work rip shit 
on like Jamba Juice vodka. Like it's you know. Yeah. 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 Pluto's is, on Ritalin, yeah. guys. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, so yeah, were the Nazis. Yeah, yeah. So actually it's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Now, one of my little favorite like mini conspiracy theories I heard about the other day, and I just think it's so funny, uh is that they made the movie Frozen. Like Disney made the movie yeah. Frozen so that when you Google Walt Disney Frozen, that's what comes <laughs> up instead of being frozen. That's really. Oh funny. my god! It's starting to make so much sense. The hits, the hit single, "Let It Go." Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so um is Jewish, uh, which is how he defends a lot of what he did with the neo Nazis in. Um, down to generation and stuff. Uh, and he wanted to bring his hyper realistic cinematic style to the museum. Um, and according to uh, Carol Burkhoff, uh, who was appointed chief historian of the museum in 2017, but has since quit, uh, Kershanovsky, um, wanted to create a uh, so this is one of the things he, he was creating, um, the mirror field. Uh, which would have all these mirrors filled with bullet holes the size that the Nazis use. So then you would like stand in the mirror and see all these bullet oh. holes all over you. And in that field, uh, there would be all these hidden um, uh, speakers, hundreds of hidden speakers that would play the, uh, the the names of the dead in said in different voices, interlaced with like prayer chants and the sounds of like noises see? and disappearing voids. I'm kind of down with that. Like that's I know this it's this sounds crazy. crazy. That's crazy. But there's a part of me that's like that could be very affecting like emotionally and and I know it's extreme, but I'm not entirely opposed and, to what you and, just described. And he uh that was all created with um the set designer from Dow and the sound engineer from Dow. Mm. Um uh, even the Babinyar website uh, was thoroughly like dowed out. Like it, it's like yeah. totally the same aesthetic as like their Dow website. Um, so Ilya is actually not the first kind of person to attempt a project like this. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Watkins uh, made a film called La Commune, uh, which he took 200 non-actors and like recreated a small French revolution from the 1700s in like a big warehouse. Mm. Uh, but the thing about him that's really cool, there's a whole documentary about the making of La Commune, um, but it's really cool of watching uh, Peter Watkins work with his actors and stuff because he's mm-hmm. so, he wants authentic like he walks authenticity, but the way he like levels with people, he's like, no, what you're feeling like, like this is like, you're fighting for your fucking kids, dude. Like you're fighting for your family. You know what I mean? Like he's like getting yeah. on people with their same level. Or I feel like Ilya tries to have this like, like God, like above it yeah, all detachment. detachment from it where it's like, yeah, I feel like when you're acting, asking so much from these people, like, yeah. It, you know, there's just, you know, it, it's this way of, for me, it's, it's Ilya wants to have his cake and eat it too, where he wants to pretend like he's this most detached, like, oh, I couldn't possibly care, like aloof director. And then yet he's like, but, but the toilet width of the pipes, 
Like yeah, he's micromanaging yeah. everything and yet acting like he's so far yes. away from any of the details. That it's just happening organically and yet he has his hands in everything. Right. Which is like just yeah. goes to prove you that like Dow's not even that well thought out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. But that's very indicative of a cult leader, though, of like cult leaders want to be the leader. They want to be you know venerated they want to have all the attention on them but they don't want to sweat the details or at least that's not like part of their plan that's not the sexy part to them yeah that's not the sexy part to them you know so i think for Ilya, it's real sexy to be like oh i didn't plan any of this i'm just you know taking stock of what's happening organically and he doesn't want to talk about like yeah people could only chew one kind of gum (laughs) because i said so you know right right um So, yeah, I mean, James, when I talked to that actor, James Fallon, uh, or not that actor, but he's a college professor and a a researcher, um, he dispelled a lot of the, you know, myths about Ilya and the production. Um, You know, uh, many of the articles and stuff I read in my research uh, and other accounts said that everything was like very, very strict. Uh, Mm -hmm. But James made it seem like it was really relaxed and like, he's like, oh, no, you could have talked about Facebook. Nobody would have cared. Well, like, and I wonder if, I mean, I, there's a part of me that's like, did he get a different experience because of who he was? That's, that's very part possible. of what I think is that he was sort yeah. of brought in with like the red carpet rolled out. If you're just a normal background actor or whatever, I think it's, you're probably getting a very different world. <laughs> there's also, there's also the idea, and then I think this is possible too, that Ilya likes the scandal of the mistreatment. And wants to play up the craziness uh, to make it seem like it's this very scandalous, taboo thing. But in the end, he just kind of really made a movie. You know, like, I think it's one or the two or maybe a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, But that's kind of where I land on it, I think. Well, he was even... uh, I I Also, like, James really likes Ilya. Like he's mm. he's like, oh, Ilya's awesome. We've like hung out since. He actually testified for Ilya in court once. Oh my gosh. Um, uh, and interestingly enough, he raised another sort of conspiracy theory is that um, there's a different Russian oligarch trying to take down Sergei. Okay. And trying to discredit Dow by creating all this fake news so it harms Sergei. Oh, so it's okay. like two giant Russian oligarchs like playing hardball with each other, and he claims that this other Russian oligarch like has more media control, and so it's like spun these stories that don't have any any truth to them to make it seem like Dow is this mm. like horrible thing. I don't know how much I believe that, um, but it's certainly interesting, and that's what he seems to yeah. believe that, and that's what Ilya's told him. So I don't know. Um, I feel like if you told me the events. Uh, without any kind of bias, I would have been like, oh, wow, that's fucked up, actually. Like, I don't think it yeah. was spun to be fucked up. I think it just is fucked up. Right, right, right. Right, right. And it, it, if you so want to, I'll say this, people, uh, if you want to go watch uh, Dow, Dow, Dow Brave, Dow Nora Mother, Dow Empire, Dow Katya Tanya, Dow Conformist, Dow Three Days, Dow Sasha Velera, Dow Nikia Tanya, 
Dow string theory, Dow new man, Dow Nora son, Dow Natasha, Dow degeneration, Dow degeneration part two, Dow Nora, Dow menu, Dow, oh, Dow menu, Dow science, Dow concerts, or Dow experiments, they are available on Dow.com for $3 a piece. I'm seeing here they also have two Dow, two furious. (laughs) (laughs) That's really cool, actually. Pretty fucking great. Oh, my God. So, you know, it's interesting. He now sort of claims that it's the first cinematic project made in isolation for people in isolation. Mm. Um, Because everything was supposed to start like the uh, the premiere for Dow, the one that got canceled due to them not wanting to rebuild the Berlin Wall. Um, Like there were premieres for Dow movies and film festivals up to like February of 2020, like right before COVID. And so then once COVID happened, he was like, okay, actually, no, this whole time, this is great because now everyone's in isolation. We made these movies in isolation. So it's like actually what I meant to do the whole time. Uh, I knew there was going to be a giant virus. Yeah, for sure. Um, sure. And so it's one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, you're a genius, bro. Sure. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, he's uh, it's certainly interesting. Um, He's still out there doing stuff. Uh, Sergey's still out there renting Airbnbs and sending Venmos to Putin and (laughs) selling cell phones and fucking trafficking Coke. And yeah. And again, it's, I've tried to find people who worked on these movies, right? But these are people who are not actors. They're just Ukrainian people who did this for a couple of years. Right. So it's really hard to find any of these people willing to talk to you. And the people that, took prominent enough roles to be named in credits and stuff like that are still so into Ilya and the project that they're still so close to it. I don't know if we'll ever really know, um, know the truth of what truly life was like on that set. Uh, probably for many Mm. years. Yeah. But guys, that is, uh, my story of Dow. Uh, the Russian film set that sort of evolved into being a cult. <laughs> Wild. You know what? That is crazy. You know what? I'm starting to think after this episode, uh, watching all those Marvel movies, that doesn't sound so hard or bad anymore, actually. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Sounds like a lot, <laughs> a lot easier. Sounds like I don't have to get a fucking green card to the movie theater. <laughs> To go watch yes. them. They're like, you actually have to become a citizen of Wakanda. Oh, watch, uh, <laughs> oh okay. That sounds awesome, though. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, Thank you, Kyle, so much for joining us. Uh, where can the people find you? Dude, so much fun. Uh, you guys are the best. Uh, you guys can find me on my YouTube channel, um, Kyle Anderson Comedy. I'm making little documentaries over there. Uh, working on another one soon. A uh, fun one. It'll be a fun one. We're going to do a silly one, guys. <laughs> Um, oh fun! And uh, and yeah, I, I'm doing shows um, uh, all over the fucking this half of the United States, pretty much because it's too expensive to fly to the other half to feature. Uh, <laughs> 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 but uh, you guys can follow me for all that stuff on uh, at Kyle Anderson Comedy, um, uh, and I I also do a podcast, a movie podcast. I still need to have you guys come on. We gotta do it. Uh, yeah. It's called Development Hell. I've had a lot of really cool uh, listeners um, come over there. And uh, I gotta talk about Bloodsport. For yes, Bloodsport will be so much fucking fun. Uh, yeah, if you guys um, do, or if you guys have listened to an episode, if you guys vibe with it at all, uh, I did a documentary uh, about a, a 
bad guy recently, and I had a lot of people uh, sort of review bomb my pod. Uh, mm. So if you did listen to it and you liked it at all, or if you like me, go check it out and throw us a, a, a rate and review and rate and review this show if you haven't, obviously. But um, it does sort of help with this shit. So uh, you know, we all hate having to ask you that. We fucking hate it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> But. I'll tell you, I, I talked to that guy in person one time and he sucks. Yeah. So like, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, don't thank defend you him. So he much. doesn't care about you. Yeah. 100%. Jesus Christ. Uh, well, go check out Kyle's stuff. All of his videos are really fun. I remember watching, uh, again, your most recent documentary on a on an extremely long plane ride that I got. Where, And I, I want you to take this as the compliment it is. I became increasingly bummed out to the point where about like 30 minutes in or something, I I had to order a drink <laughs> on the yeah. plane. I was I, yeah. I, I, I paid <laughs> for alcohol right. because it was just like, oh, fuck off, dude. Jesus. <laughs> uh, but very good, uh, to say the least. Um, go watch his stuff. Hey, if you want to find me, I'm very easy to find. At Mondo Does Stuff. M-A-N-D-O Does Stuff. All one word. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, fucking Twitch. Um, all that good stuff. And uh, yeah. That's it for me. Thank you. Good night. Good luck. I love you. Goodbye. Mwah. Hey, it's your girl Paige here. I'm here every week. You know, I've been I've been in these podcasts. Uh, so, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Rampage Wesley or on Twitter at Paige Wesley. Uh, if you like listening to my voice, go ahead and listen to Horror Vision Romancing the Pod. If you hate my voice but like my brain, go ahead and listen to Ship Hits the Fan. If you want to see us live, Panic Fest in Kansas City is coming up the weekend of April 13th through 16th. Once tickets are available, we will let you know. Uh, and if you are in Tokyo, Japan, I will be there in June. I will put out more information on my social media. So if you want to find out when that is, if you happen to live or be in Japan uh, in June, follow me on Instagram. That's probably where I'm going to post the most stuff. Uh, love you so much. Bye. And hey, if you want to follow the show, you can find us on Instagram at Colt Podcast. Or on Twitter at Colt Podcast Show. You can send us an email to Colt Podcast Show at gmail.com. If you have been playing a long-standing improv game with a group of friends, <laughs> don't send us anything about that. We're not interested. Send us candy or wrap snacks or some shit. Uh, and you can send that to 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237. Like The like Shining. Like The Shining. Los Angeles, California, 90065. Pro tip, there is now a Rick Ross-flavored wrap snack that I sent pictures to Armando about from Las Vegas last week. Oh, is yeah. It, is uh, it and it's pepper? delicious. It's it lemon, is lemon pepper. Fuck it's yeah, baby! We made it's it! It's good as shit, we man. It's it. so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty delicious. Uh, but yeah. And we have a long-standing joke because like, like one of the most famous cult researchers on Earth is also named Rick Ross, and we were in a documentary <laughs> with him a couple weeks back. Um, and so I just sent it to Mondo with a picture that says, like, damn, he got them cult facts and lemon pepper wet. <laughs> Oh, my they're God. really good. They're really good. So go try those or whatever. <laughs> I think for this one, I'm going to say uh, don't drink anything. anything in the presence of neo-Nazis. You can't trust them. Yeah. 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 And don't drink the Kool-Aid.
Bye. Bye.